This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net to Sanderson, Orr! Bobby Orr! Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prude. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Great Scott! Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm a damn It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 76 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian D. Felice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. And look, first things first, this has to be the coldest day in New England I can remember in my lifetime, but it's nowhere near as cold as the, as the response that Scott got from Don Sweeney <laughs> during, during his uh, question about an hour ago. You know what, though? Initially cold response, and then I thought a, a pretty good answer. He actually... Oh, uh, we got... Ch- he, he started, we're going to play the question, we'll get to it, but uh, and his answer. But he starts by saying, you know, I'm not going to share all of our conversation, but which he probably didn't. But then he shared, a, I think, a pretty you know significant part of what he talked about with yeah, Swayman. Then he went on for a minute and a half to answer <laughs> Scott's I thought he was just going to say, F you, Scott. I'm not sharing anything with you. <laughs> and yeah. then he was like, oh, no, no, okay, but we're going to give a political answer. But he did say a few things. That's why we're going to play it in give scott credit because you know he did a good job yeah and and, you know we should mention this is this is in the wake of the bruins signing tuka rask to a one-year one million dollar um contract so yeah don sweeney you know he's a he's a part-time gm part-time uh tap dancer because he tap danced all around that question from scott and uh i mean did you want to do we want to play are we gonna play it afterwards why don't we just go through a few of the details first so um rask earlier today uh Tuesday signed a one-year, one million dollar prorated contract, which I believe means he gets that five hundred and forty-five thousand uh, because he missed the first thirty-two games of the season. Yes. So prorated, that's for the games that he'll be on the roster. Um, and yeah, so Sweeney came and commented on it right before we um, hopped on the mic, and uh, he talked about. You know what they expect from Rask and what's going to happen with Swayman, and he's uh, heading down to Providence. Yeah, so that that was always the expected move because it was just the easiest. You know, Allmark is on an NHL contract; he has no movement clause. Can't really do anything there. Uh, you don't want to really have three goalies that on the NHL roster. One, it takes up cap space. Two, it's hard to get all of them enough playing time even with, you know, the compact schedule that the Bruins have the rest of the way. So Swayman is a rookie on his rookie contract who does not need to go through waivers. So that was always the logical move. Um, You know, things I think would be more complicated, obviously, if Swayman were dramatically outplaying Allmark. Then you have, you know, a situation on your hands. And Sweeney even touched on, you know, uh, one of the things we're going to get to is Swayman said, so if those two guys struggle, do I get the net? And Sweeney said, like, you know, without saying yes directly, to, like, yeah, they want to have a situation where the best player is playing. So, But they can't really have it that way. Well, If the best player can, is if, Swayman... If, if Rask and Allmark play well, they can. But if the if if Swayman... If, if Allmark or Rask struggle in this first month, 
and Swayman is the better option, their hands are tied, and there's really no way that that can happen. Like, that's just him um, saying that. I'm not sure I agree with that. Well, unless what? you What are you going to do? Jerry, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry. Um, well, because Swayman can come up and down, really, as long as, you know, you're not really strapped up against the cap with, like, eight players out or something. Um, he can move up and down pretty freely, and... I can definitely see a situation where they have three games and four nights, and you know you can. All you can say is like you know Rask is still recovering from uh, you know hip surgery, and um, you know we need a third goalie to kind of spell the other two right now. So there, you could see Swayman back up in two weeks. Like I don't think that that's that crazy. And you know if if Swayman plays really well in Providence and Allmark and or Rask are struggling, like. I don't think it's crazy to think that Swayman could be back, and and that might not be permanent either. That might be for, you know, a week until Rask or Allmark gets back on track, and then Swayman goes back down. Like I think it could be pretty fluid if if the Bruins need it to be. If if Rask and Allmark are, are playing great, then you know then you don't have to worry about it. But which ne- which leads to the next important question, which is what effect does that have on Swayman's psyche? Which is exactly what Scott asked Sweeney. We'll get to that now. Hi, Don. Uh, you touched on, you know, Swayman being a little bit disappointed, but maybe not surprised. How much is that mental side of it, you know, a consideration for you when you have a young player who's showing that he can play in the NHL? And, you know, is there concern about maybe a letdown or how that might affect him uh, when he gets sent down? I'm not going to share all my conversations I had with Jeremy today, um, but it was certainly some things we touched upon. You know, having, you know, the opposite direction, but having driven 95 North uh, over the course of my time, a long time ago, I understand the disappointments of, of especially when you feel like you've, you've positioned yourself to be in an NHL team, you've had some success and, uh, you know, it's generally not a straight linear path. Take the opportunity to, you know, to work on your game and expand it and realize that there's challenges associated with everybody's professional career. And, uh, and Jeremy, to, to his credit, uh, recognizes all those things. You know, I think the single biggest thing that came out of my conversation today was he just stared at me and looked and he said, well, if those two guys struggle, do I get the net? And that's what you want to hear from a player. All right. So I must have missed two things. The part where you asked Don to recall all the conversations he had with Swayman <laughs> that day. And I also must have missed the actual answer to your question because he really didn't give an answer other than, well, there's challenges in being a young pro. Well, yeah, those challenges were brought on strictly because of your decisions, not anything Swayman did. Typically, you know, a young player plays themselves in or out of a lineup or a situation, and this situation is not that. He's going. He's being sent down for for, for reasons that um, were caused by you, by your off-season moves, by your off-season mindset and mentality and, and risk-reward uh, analysis you played in your mind of going with Swayman and somebody else or bringing an Allmark or Vras coming back and I'll get into that later on. Not but, sticking with Bladar. Right, and, and I'll, I'll get into that later on because I want to get you guys a quick um, uh, opportunity to respond to that. But it's just annoying because like, Don didn't really answer your question, Scott. And because, the, the, quite frankly, the answer is what would be, yeah, it is kind of concerning. And the other side of the answer is it's also my fault. That he's going down. And we do have the other half of that where he kind of does allude to the fact that it's concerning. And any young player that has confidence in himself and he's had some success, you know, will accept the fact that he's got some things to continue to work on. But in a competitive you know, environment that we're trying to win, the best players are going to play. And, and, uh, and I don't think Lemus and Tuca would look at it any differently. And uh, 
so hopefully it, uh, you know, it's just a bump in the road for him in terms of it's not a huge setback. It's just a matter of going, gain some experience, um, you know, in some situations that we've got some areas of his game we would like him to continue to work on. And, uh, and he's going to be a goalie for us for a long time. And that's, that's ultimately what the message was. Okay, so, yeah, I think sending swimming down, there definitely has to be the mental consideration of, like, does this end up being um, – some sort of setback or letdown or whatever, because we touched on this with, with Jack Stanika and whether there was any correlation between, you know, him having a good training camp, seemingly being one of the Bruins 12 best forwards, then getting sent down and getting off to a slow start in Providence. And when we talked to Mark Diver last week, he said, he you know, he doesn't really think that was necessarily the cause and effect. He thinks Stanika had the right mindset and, I think the Bruins believe that Swayman also has the right mindset. Like, I think they think, you know, that he's professional and mature enough to be able to go down and handle this and keep working hard and do what he needs to do. As Sweeney said, you know, there are things they want him to work on. He didn't name those things, but I would be willing to guess that one of them is rebound control, which Swayman has struggled with at times. Um, you know, I think ultimately, like, what this comes back to is the Bruins have what they believe are three good goalies and one of them needed to move and that was going to be Swayman and maybe Swayman if he was having a great a great season would play his way into staying up um I think Swayman has been good he's probably been you know if you dive into like advanced analytics and stuff suggests he's basically middle of the road maybe a little bit better than that in terms of uh looking around the league um you know I don't think he's been like so dominant that he has to stay up and sending him down is just like absurd and totally unwarranted or whatever. Like, you know, it's not ideal, but I think when you have a chance to bring Rask back on such a cheap contract, and he's a player who really could be an upgrade at that position. Like I said, I think I said the same about Allmark. Like I think they've been middle of the road or a little better. You know, I don't think they've been great. I don't think. Goaltending certainly hasn't been a weakness for the Bruins. I don't think it's been a major strength either. So you have a chance to potentially upgrade that position. And Swayman, just by nature of the contract he's on, is the odd man out. And, like, I'm sure that's what the conversation was, and that's what was explained to Swayman. Obviously, he's, you know, he's not dumb. He's seen the writing on the wall. He knows this was the most logical way that this was going to play out. So I'm sure... Mentally, he's braced for it. You know, Allmark's gotten these last two starts in Tampa and Washington. Um, so I think he probably saw the writing on the wall. And, yeah, it, it you know, it is a setback and it is disappointing. But where it goes from here, I, I've said this about other plays. Like, it's ultimately up to Swayman. And if he goes into Providence and struggles, sure, you can look at the Bruins and look at Sweeney and blame them and say they, you know, cost him or whatever. But that ultimately comes back to the player. Like, are, are you able to go down, work on what you need to work on and keep getting better and put yourself in a position that next time you get an opportunity, they can't send you back down after. Like, can you do that? So that'll be the challenge for Swayman. And Scott, you kind of asked a gotcha question because he couldn't really answer this truthfully. Could he like, he couldn't say, yeah, we're worried. We're going to screw him up. Like he, the closest he got to saying that was the bump in the road. Like, okay, does he mean, is he referring to, oh, you know, it's not going smooth like he thought he'd be in the NHL and not have to go back down to Providence? Or 
could that mean something more? I mean, the bump in the road is caused by Don, as as I said earlier. And, like, quite frankly, in my opinion, it's a nice narrative you paint, Scott, about how, you know, he... He, he he does have things to work on, which he does, and it's it's okay to be to go down to Providence and all that stuff. And I agree, but this notion that that you know he could have kept his spot in the lineup if he played it, I don't believe it. I think that Swayman Swayman could quite honestly in a sixteen starts be fourteen and two in those starts. If Tuka Rask is healthy and wants to come back, he was coming back. I'm sorry, but there's no way Don Sweeney would have not let Tuka Rask come back at four million dollars. Even if Swayman had played a spot into the lineup and outplayed all mark, because you're right, he would have to go down. He has to go down. What happened today was what had to happen, given the circumstances. He had to go down to Providence. You can't move all mark, and so if Rass is coming in, he has to go down. But and I'm not really sure they have they have, would have any takers at the trade deadline if they wanted to move all mark. If right. they weren't happy and they wanted Swayman Rass to be the duo, that would be difficult. But that would be a way to relieve some cap space. Yeah, I just think, well, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I mentioned this last week, but I wouldn't discount the idea of finding someone for Almarg. Like, I mentioned Edmonton. That's a team that thinks at least that it's going for it. That, you know, they've really fallen off and are now battling just to make the playoffs. Um, but desperately needs goaltending. Like, that could have been a situation where maybe you find something there and find, find a way to make it work. You know, Carolina, I think, will be okay because Frederick Anderson, when he's been healthy, has been really good this season. But, you know, they just pulled a kid out of college because they were so shallow at goaltending. Um, you know, I don't know. Like, the, I think there's always teams that would be looking for goalies. And if you went to Allmark and said, uh, you know, hey, we're going with Rask and Swayman, they're our two best goalies, and we don't, we can't guarantee when you're going to get back into a game like i don't know you know maybe he's open to waiving it at that point yeah i don't i don't, I don't know how they build that case if swayman's not in providence how how can he prove well, no, that I'm, I'm saying if if swayman had truly outperformed Allmark, like across the board was clearly better and they wanted to go with rask and swayman as their goal goaltending duo i think they would have they could have found a way to to make that work and found a way to keep swayman up in the nhl I think that the reason that they ultimately send Swayman down is because they're they don't see a major difference between what Swayman and Allmark have done this year, and they don't want to look bad for signing Allmark to the contract. And yeah, it, 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 a lot of it, a lot of it's a lot of it is saving face for for, for what they ha- what they had done in the summer. I mean, like Scott, I hear what you're saying. I, I don't, I don't, I get it. I'm just saying, like, I think Don Sweeney was bailed out that that Swayman and Allmark have pretty similar numbers both in the win loss column and and you know the goalie statistics because if cuz cuz right now you can you can be Don Sweeney and you can say there's things he could work on we're going it's it's not a big deal but if he had been the next big thing so far this year and Tuka wanted to come back if you if you're trying to tell me that like they would they can't you can't just move Allmark on the drop of a hat if you if Ras come back right now like what you're saying would have to happen Later, or somebody's going to trade for him right now. Like it's just a tough situation to move Olmark right now. He's been on the team for 16 games after a five-year contract. Like that, he wasn't. They weren't going to move him. It was, it it was always going to be Swayman. But, but I just think, let me put it like: if Swayman were playing at a level where you're talking about, you know, this might be going a little too far. But like, say you're talking about him as like 
a Vezina candidate or or even a Calder Trophy candidate for Rookie of the Year. Like if he were playing at that level and he were he was clearly your best goalie, I I would find it really hard to believe that they would still send him. Like that in the middle of a playoff race, they would send down the player who's been their best goalie. I would find that really hard to believe, and I would have a huge problem with it if that's what but ended if, up happening. But, but if they're taking, if but if the same scenario hap, if the scenario that you said happened, but the time frame on Rask was still today, then they would have had to have made a decision today on what to do with them. So if they kept him, well, but they would have been building to it. Like you know, it's not it's not like Swayman would separate himself from Allmark just over the last week, right? Like that would have been something that has been happening throughout the season, and so you. You'd have some time to prepare for that, um, but what would the what would it be if you have to keep all three of them? Because you would have to in that scenario. What the taxi squad thing, or well, S- you have to waive all mark to even get him to the taxi squad. Mm-hmm. So you'd no, I don't mean, do I don't mean all mark. I mean like Swayman. Put Swayman on the taxi. He's not eligible. Called. You can't put Swayman. On so taxi so squad. so how would how would the three of them be on the roster if if Swayman played so well he had to stay around, but they're still bringing in Rask and you can't get rid of all mark at the drop of a hat. So what would be the solution to keep them all? Well, because Swayman and, and Rask both have such minimal cap hits, you could you could figure that out. Like you probably have one extra forward, one extra defenseman, okay. and then you'd have three goalies. All right, and, so they would just carry straight yeah. up carry three goals. So yeah, go ahead, Bridget. Sorry, I was just gonna say there was one other comment in, in that answer that I wanted to hit on, and he he said this more than once in his interview with Sweeney. Uh, he said he has a hell of a long career in in front of him as a Boston Bruin. Any thoughts on that part of it? Because it kind of answers more of a long-term question, I think. Well, we'll see. How, how bad does he want to win this year if somebody wants him at the trade deadline as part of a package to help you? If, if, if what, what else did he say in that, in that, in that commentary? He said, uh, we're, we're in, he said something like, we're in a position where we're trying to win right now, right? So that's, that's why he's down to Providence. So fast forward the clock two months, if the opportunity arises to benefit your team and build your current team right now that Swayman's not te- good enough to be a part of right now when they're trying to win... Then, so you don't take him at face value for that comment? No, I think sweet. No, I think Don and all GMs they 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 say pay lip service when they have to. Like they they can't predict the future, and they're also not going to show their hand of what they aren't aren't willing to let go of or do. At the end of the day, I think if your name's not Marshan Bergeron, McAvoy, or Pashnak, I I for the most part, I think you know you're, you're not untouchable. So um, I don't really read too much into that. If there's a hockey deal out that makes this team have a chance to win a cup this year or next, when Clearly, Swayman's not part of the plan right now for, for for that window. Then I find it hard to believe Don at that. And Don might not be saying that knowing he's lying, but he, like he might think he's long term. He, he might not know what he doesn't know yet. Yeah, and that's also that's a possibility that only becomes a possibility because you brought Rask back, which brings it back to me where I would just say like at any position, if I have a chance to sign someone with the potential to be as good as Rask. Now, you know, we have to see that he's actually completely healthy and able to play at the level that he was well, two Scott, years you've ago. Been, you've been but, at the practices, have you not? A few of the yeah. practices? What did you think? I, I mean, I think he's looked fine. I think he's looked good. Like he, So I was at more, I would say, of like the earlier ones when he was out there. And at that point, he was still – there's still some management in terms of like – you know, taking his time getting up, making sure he wasn't pushing himself too far or overexerting himself. But I thought for the most part, he, he looked good. I mean, he had a couple a couple of big saves in practice that would, like, you know, get guys banging their sticks. There was uh, one, I think it was four board he robbed, 
where like there was like that's tough. There was like a hey, I think Derek Ford was on fire at that time. Like, (laughs) but uh, and there was like a loud like someone yelled out like two like the you know thing going on. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I think he's looked good for the most part in practice. Now it's interesting now that he's gonna jump right back into NHL action. Obviously, he was supposed to get a game or two in Providence, and they got postponed by COVID issues with uh, the Lehigh Valley team that was coming in. Um, you know, so that's a different animal. Like, no matter how... And Vraska's been in the middle of it in practice. Like, he's been in real drills and scrimmages and all that. He's faced traffic. I've seen him, like, get bumped into and knocked over. Like, that's all happened, but a game is actually very different. So, you know, you need to see him first and, and you know, to make sure he's actually himself and this recovery doesn't like linger into, you know, a few weeks and a month from now, he's still not himself. Um, but ultimately I think just you have a chance to bring back a player of that caliber or who has the potential certainly to be that caliber for so little money. I don't care what position it is or what my roster looks like. I'm doing it and I'll, you know, massage whoever I need to massage to try to, you know, ease their disappointment or whatever it is. But like, I think the Bruins are in a better position today than they were yesterday by bringing Rask back for only a million dollars. Yeah, and we're we're like twenty minutes into this, and I haven't said this yet, and I I need to say it now because you're kind of going there. Um, I am all for them signing Rask and, and him being back. Like he, I I'm glad they just, they signed him. I'm glad he's back on this team. He makes his team better. He's 34, not 44. He has Hall of Fame numbers. He's the winningest goalie in the team's history. Does he have a couple of individual performances and postseasons that he and his teammates would want back? Sure. Who doesn't? Most people don't, or most people do. But um, he makes his team a lot better. My issue is not them re-signing Tuka Rask. He makes his team better. Mm -hmm. And make no mistake about it, Tuka Rask is not halting the um, progression of Jeremy Swayman, the development of Jeremy Swayman. Linus Olmark is... Linus Olmark's presence is not Tuca. It's not Tuca Rask is thirty four. He's been the goalie of this team for for twelve plus years, thirteen years. He had an off season surgery that kept him out for two months. If he wasn't ever considering retirement, which he's now said he wasn't, and I'm sure Don knew that. And there's a track record to to see how players respond with this type of surgery, a la Tim Thomas. Then Don Sweeney should have known, okay, he wants to come back, he's willing to come back for cheap, and he'll be healthy enough to play. Don Sweeney should have known he would have been, he, he in theory, should have been good to come back, and it still took his team. But Don Sweeney panicked in the offseason. For some reason, there were, there, were, there were two major decisions Don had to make about the goaltending situation. Number one, does he think Tuka Rask is going to be willing and able to come back and goaltend for this team? And number two, do I have trust in Jeremy Swayman and or Dan Vladar, whomever, to um, tread water if and when Tuka comes back? The answer to that first one clearly should have been yes. I do think, if I'm Don Sweeney, yes, I do think he'll be ha- uh, healthy and ready to come back. Why? Because he said he wants to come back, and there's a th- there's a precedent for the surgery. So the timetable, okay, yeah, I can see him. Co- I think he's coming back. And number two, fine. So can we tread water? Well, Jeremy Swayman treaded water the last few months, and Linus Olmark was 11 and, 11 and um, 7 or 8, whatever it was. So, like, good, serviceable, real good, de- you know, decent. But, like, somebody else could have been close to that, too. He and Brian, panicked. 
they took that $5 million and gave it to a goalie when they had other needs they clearly needed to fill. And this was exactly. a conversation we had at the time, too. Right. But and so, so, so Bridget, so Brian, so why do they spend. It? Did you just call Scott Bryan? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I, I'm, I'm saying if somebody's listening, they're asking you, they're asking me. So why do they sign, why do they sign Allmark for, for five years at five? Well, number one, because Don Sweeney panicked. Four years. Yeah. Because Don Sweeney panicked. Okay. He was wrong on those two hypothetical questions. And so why, why didn't he offer uh, Allmark a one or two year show me a contract? Because he was a free agent. So if that was the case, he would have said to Don, uh, no, I'll take, I want the term. So Don Sweeney was forced to sign him for five years because otherwise he wouldn't have signed him or he wouldn't have been able to sign him. So it just, to me, it's just, it's Don just like, how do you whiff on that? Like, how do you, how do you not know? From the horse's mouth himself, Tuca, he wants to come back. He said it as much. He'll be cheap. And you know his surgery is not going to keep him out all season. So, like, you misjudged that. You fucked up. And so you had to go. And, and you didn't trust Swayman and or Vladar combo. So you had to go and sign Allmark. So, for me, Linus Allmark, and it's not that I don't like the player. I think he's he's a good player. It's not him I'm mad at. It's Sweeney because now you're in a situation that Bridge just talked about. You paid for a position that, well, now he's your backup. And I just feel like you know, you know those those puzzle pieces that like it's not the exact piece that you're looking for, but it's close enough. So you just jam it in there and you say, yeah, good <laughs> enough. That's what I feel like. Like Allmark was with. like he's a forced piece in this puzzle. He doesn't really he's he fits right now because he's forced in there. Like I just feel like Sweeney just like. Messed up in the offseason, judging if Tuca would come back. That's that's so, what it comes down to for me. I, I think it's it's totally fair to first guess at the time or second guess now the decision to sign Allmark to that contract. Um, Brian, I know you were one of the ones who first guessed it right away. Um, I don't think it was a panic move. I think it was a calculated decision to have security and goal. Because I, I just double-checked the timeline, and Rask underwent surgery like within a week of when free agency started. And they signed Allmark on the first day of free agency. So at that point, a week out from Rask's surgery, you, I think now we can say that you know they could bank on Rask recovering and coming back, but I don't think they felt that way. I think they thought there is a chance that Rask's recovery doesn't go well or there's a setback or he isn't able to get back to the level he would need to play in the NHL. Um, It is a serious surgery. Uh, It is, you know, a long recovery as we've seen. And Rask is 34, which, as you mentioned, is not 44. Like, it's... But it's also not 24. Like, this is also, you know, you are getting up there in, in NHL goalie years and and they thought that he was healthy enough to play at the end of the playoffs last year they chose him to start over Swayman in what was second guessed after the fact but they were looking at him as someone they trusted even when he was playing with that injury yeah um and it, you know that's tough because it's like like Rask could play through it but obviously it was not close to 100%. And No, so wouldn't you assess that this would help him? Yeah, assuming it goes well and his rehab goes well I and there aren't good. setbacks. Yeah, I, I do too, but I, I don't think... 
So couldn't you the have Bruins were not that? willing. The Bruins were not willing to assume that in late July. Yeah. When they had to make a decision about whether they were going to address goal, the goaltending position in free agency or not. And I think they they identified, you know, right or wrong, we can debate whether Allmark was the right guy to sign, but they identified Allmark as the goalie they wanted in free agency. They decided they would rather ha- sign him, have what they thought at the time would be security, um, rather than roll with Slayman and Vladar. Um, or an, uh, any other, they, or they another didn't... goalie option that instead of Allmark in this long term deal, there there were other goalies out there. My, my only thing, Scott, and I'll throw it right back to you: five years is not security. That's 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 a that's a number one goaltender contract and plan for. That's a, that's a five year span. Yeah, of that's four. not a backup. Why do I keep saying? Because it's five million. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> but but still, it, yeah, it's not. It's it's it was more than security, Scott. Like that, that's a that's a commitment to somebody when. Isn't Swayman supposed to be the guy in two, three years at it that is, most? It is, but, but, but Swayman's going to be on, on a cheap deal for a while um, through his rookie contract. So, But theoretically, your starting goaltender now is going to be paid less than a million dollars a year, and that, Allmark's going to be paid but five that's million. Not, that's not a huge deal, because at the end of the day, the, like players play better than or worse than what they're paid all the time. It's, or, or yeah, and, and Tuke is it's more of a finan- just more of making the standpoint like in a financial way. Do you really want to be paying your backup goalie more than your starting goalie? No, it doesn't sound like a smart decision. Well, no, but I think, I think even if they overpaid for Swain, for Allmark, rather, I think in their mind they were okay with that because I think, like I've said, they knew Swayman's on his cheap rookie contract. And I think they knew very early on that if Rask was back, it was going to be cheap. Rask has been consistent about that from the start. So I don't know if they knew that you know, one million was always going to be the number, but I think they knew it would not be a significant cap hit, and they re- felt that even if five million is a little bit of an overpay for Allmark, ultimately they're going to have their goaltending position set for six million dollars or less, which is less than Rask's any, last year. <laughs> basically, any team that's trying to contend is going to be thrilled with that. So even if one of those goalies is overpaid within that structure. They looked at it and said, we're okay having this much money set aside for goaltending. Um, yeah. Just more of a long-term problem, no, I guess, then. No, like, it's, it is, yeah, it is, Bridget, and Scott's Scott's not wrong. Like, they're paying, they're not paying a lot for, th- in fact, they're playing, they're paying very little for three NHL Potential cal- starters. Yeah, yeah, essentially, good way to put it, yeah. three For three number ones, really, you know, they're paying nothing for that. You're right. That is true. I guess all I'm saying is, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it alone for now. Yeah, but like, I think this conversation is gonna continue. Yeah. We're, we're gonna go on. We're we're gonna see a sample from Tuca. Um, he's gonna be backing up next game, so we probably won't see him right away against Montreal. But we're gonna see a sample from Tuca. We're gonna see how Allmark plays with the new competition created there. Um, By the way, Allmark eight two and zero in his last ten starts. Yeah, he he's look he's been good. He's been good, and I'm glad that Rask is back and. And Swayman has been underwhelming at times, so it's not that big of a deal. What pisses me off is that if we're two months from now and the Bruins, for whatever reason, aren't able to fill in the holes that this team has because they don't have the money for it, and the reason is because he's on your bench because now Tuca is the starter, I'll be fucking pissed. 
That's that's what it comes down to. I don't give a shit. <laughs> this will be the what conversation in the summer. Yeah, this will be another conversation that we're gonna we're gonna have to talk about like, again at the deadline, pretty much. That's essentially what it comes down to for me. I don't like Swayman Psyche. Look, that's a side. That's that's a side thing. I want this team to be able to have the most complete roster that they can, and if they can't do that, because because as 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 little as they're paying Scott for those three goalies. It'd be that much. It'd be five million dollars less <laughs> if if it was just the two of them, Rask and Swayman, and five million dollars that could have went to a defenseman in free agency this right. past year, a center, right. now, whatever pe- you may now, have Bridget, wanted to do. People are going to be listening, and they're going to be saying, "Who who are they going to pay for in the off season?" There wasn't going to be out there. Fine, whatever. I don't care. But they'd have money at their deadline. They'd be able to have flexibility throughout the season. So, and I know Scott talks about in the past, like the the cap. Increases yeah, a little so, bit throughout the year, so but whatever. They'll, they'll have money to make. It could either be like one major move at the deadline, or you know, two, uh, like I don't want to say smaller, but like two two moves for good players who aren't like Max Con, like or you know, making six seven million a year. Yeah, there's no so like th- sneaky th- Taylor Hall be, deal this year. <laughs> there will be some flexibility there. Like they'll be able to add. Um, and it could potentially be someone significant. So they'll still have the ability to do that. You know, fitting it under the cap won't be, especially where like more, more and more teams are willing to eat some salary. Like you have to throw in something extra to get them to do it. Um, but there's, there's ways to do that. Like the Bruins will be able to, from a financial perspective, be, they'll be able to add before the trade deadline. The question will be, how much are they willing to give up? Obviously, in terms of prospects and picks and all that. You know, you know what I'm starting to come around on, and it's it's unfortunate, but it's kind of the reality. Is another way to 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 gain some flexibility in the cap is to take one on the chin and get nothing in return for DeBrusque mm-hmm. besides maybe uh, a draft pick and uh, the ability that the other team takes the most of his salary. Because he's making four and change, it's three something. I think I got it. I, I, mean, I got it up right now. Like, I don't because I don't. I don't believe that they can. He makes uh, uh, three thousand. I mean three million six hundred seventy-five thousand. Okay, so like I don't believe that they can really get much for him. So like, if you're asking me, Brian, would you rather them get Mason Appleton or? A draft pick, but they also get they also shed most of his salary, so they can use that to to acquire somebody that they need this year. I would probably say the latter. Now, if you're telling me that DeBrus goes to Arizona for like Lawson Crouch or something like that, like actually, I would I like Lawson Crouch. I think he's a, he's he's somebody that's been thrown around and um, in, in in rumors, not on the ice because he's six foot four, but um, he's he, he's a big body and he plays a really good style of play, especially in the playoffs. And he has size that this Bruins roster doesn't really have. He fights. Um, and he was picked above DeBrusque in that draft, so he has the talent and the skill, and he plays on a shit team in Arizona. So if he's the return, that's something else. But you know, I don't know. Just I'm just trying to think of ways that they can they can get more cap space. Uh, if it, if it's if if the return for DeBrusque isn't a player of equal value or better, which I don't think is going to happen. Yeah, Kressel's an interesting one because he's cheaper than than DeBrusque, but I also think that's part of the reason why it. it would not be a one-for-one. One. It would have to be... The Bruins would have to give up something extra, I think, because mm-hmm. while, you know, a year or two, let's say two years ago, DeBrusque certainly would have had more value than Kraus because Kraus... So Kraus has played a lot of games in the NHL, but for a while looked kind of stuck as, like, a fourth-line grinder type, 
and is really having his best offensive season this year. And the fact that he's been better than DeBrus this year already probably makes it a little uneven. And then you add in the fact that they're both heading to restricted free agency after this year. And the qualifying offer in the next deal for Kroos should be cheaper just because he's making less now. Whereas DeBrusque already got that bridge deal and that raise up to the 3.6 neighborhood, where now his next contract is probably looking even more expensive than that unless he unless team doesn't qualify him and lets him go to unrestricted free agency. Um, so the Bruins are probably to give up something else in order to do a deal like that, I would guess. Well, I mean, he goes to Arizona. There's you're not you're not in a huge hockey market. In fact, you're probably the one the, the coolest hockey markets in the in the uh, in the league. So there's not a ton of pressure. There's no pundits, you know, getting all over DeBrusque, and he could go there and maybe put up 25, 30 goals, which you know would be more production ideally than uh, Kraus would. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, when you talk about somebody's offensive ceiling, it's probably DeBrusque. That's kind of a no-brainer. So I mean, I, I think that. You you got, you got to tread lightly not to give up too much because yeah. while you might they might be eating, you know, a couple more hundred, uh, million dollars to bring into Bruston for you to pay uh, Lawson Kraus, well okay, there's two sides to every deal like they could be getting the more production, but Kraus might be a better fit for what the Bruins need, and I think he is. So, I mean, yeah, maybe you're not wrong, um, but hopefully they won't have to give up too much more than that. Um, do you want to wrap up this goalie conversation? Well, the goalie conversation. I just have one more yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. Just quickly, what would be the expectations for Rask splitting time evenly, um, seeing less at first? Any thoughts on that? I think splitting time pretty evenly to start. Um, you know, maybe if, if you're in like a three games and four days situation, he's getting the middle one and, you know, getting a little bit more time between starts, something like that. Um, but, yeah, I think you want to get him into enough games to get a rhythm, right? Like, you don't want him starting then sitting five or six days. So you want him playing somewhat regularly, but also obviously not pushing him any more than you have to. So, yeah, roughly 50-50 to start sounds about right. And then, you know, after a couple of weeks, see where you are, see who's – you know, if one of them's outplaying the other or, you know, what it looks like at that time. But, um, yeah, I mean, they haven't announced when he's going to get his first start. I think Thursday night makes a ton of sense. The like, back-to-back. Yeah, because, you know, they don't like starting goalies in back-to-back games, back-to-back nights anyways. So, you know, starting Rask then, the night after Allmark, makes sense. Then Allmark would be back on Saturday and you go from there. Yeah, sounds good to me. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, the one thing you said, Scott, that is true is, um, you know, if you're looking for a guy to get back into a rhythm, you know, throwing him into the fire is probably the more, more um, effective than, you know, being too too hesitant with him or tentative. Like, I think, you know, don't, don't, if you're going to, if you, not for nothing, if you're going to put Swayman down to Providence, don't handle Tuka with kid gloves. Let him come right. back, let him, let him come here and do it, play play the, the same load that, that Swayman was, you know, supposed to. Um, that's That's what I think. And so the next like big topic of conversation from this week is kind of just looking at the six games since the COVID break, and the numbers have been. Oh yeah, very... have they played hockey? <laughs> I forgot about that. Well, they were off for what a year so far. Huh? They they had exactly three weeks off uh, in the end of December, and now starting back up in uh, 
January, which, by the way, I'm still salty about the first game being canceled, being our trip to Montreal, and we still didn't, we didn't get to go, and we'll bring it up every time I can. Um, but so they missed three full weeks, and they came back still dealing with COVID issues, and guys still keep getting added to the list. It seems like, you know, it's going through the team slowly but steadily. Nosik went out during the six games. Um, Clifton and Forbert just added. DeBrusque has been out um, after, you know, the start of the new year so they've been able to pull guys in they've they brought up Vakanine and Steen has been in Bleed has been in and they haven't seen a drop off in play no they they've been they've been better i mean yeah. I, I mean i don't uh there's so much to to break down from these last six games so many individual performances and 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 whatnot it's kind of hard to pinpoint where to start but um well how, how about the big one how about moving Pasnark down to the second line and how that <laughs> Because, you know, I think last week when we talked about it, it was three games into that, and they were looking better and better, and it kind of started to get going at that point. Three more games since, it's, I mean, that line's been on fire. Like, those yeah. those guys have been great. It's now, you're up to, um, Hall has eight points in the six games since they've been put together. Pasternak has four goals in the last two games, five in the last four Eric Hall has a five-game point streak. Yeah, just... Hall and Hall has a six-game point streak. Yeah, so uh, you know that it's clearly gotten Hall going. It's gotten Postnard going. Um, Howla Howla had five points in the last five games, and he had five points in the previous twenty-six games of the season. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised in the least. I mean, I've been saying this for literally forever. Like Scott, he... did you write a column too about like? Was it you that wrote the column about how they, I mean, obviously, we, looking at it now, they should have done it sooner, but Scott wrote, I think he's wrote something, right? Well, Scott, I will tell you this. Scott didn't only put, uh, didn't only put Don Sweeney on his heels this week. He put David Pashnak on his heels this week, too, because Scott asked him about Krejci's comments, and if you heard them, and, uh... I don't know if Pashnak was expecting that kind of question in that setting, but uh, he did answer it, and it was yeah. it was pretty good. I think he's probably been briefed. About? Like, uh, so I'd also I'd written something. This was like during the pause about trying to get Pashnak going, and I'd also written something about Holland Coyle's chemistry not being there, which turned out to be very prescient because I like I wrote that about Holland Coyle's chemistry. I'd asked Cassidy about, it, and he had talked about like how they needed to work, you know, what they need to do to work better together. And then literally the next day in practice, it was Hall Hall of Pasternak. So, yeah, like, he's not taking full credit for it just yet, but well, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. if you can connect really? the dots and like, I don't know, did yeah. I put the yeah. seed in, in Bruce Cassidy's know. mind? Well, I, put, I may put the seed in your mind. I put it in his mind, so I'll take credit for it too. But I mean, one of the things I think you wrote about in that article, Scott, was that. Um, I don't know if it was somebody who said it or if it was just your analysis of it, but they. Um, Hall and Coyle both like to possess the puck. And, you know, that's that's not really a good combination to have two guys on the same line that want to hog the puck. Like, the reason that Hall is doing well with them is because he knows just give it and go, give it and go, give it and go, move your feet. And when you have two guys that just are all about possession, well, somebody's not getting their time with it. Um, and, and that's just not, it's, it's not that they don't like each other or whatever. It's just sometimes styles, styles collide. And I think Hall just allows – he. He doesn't facilitate like Mark Savard facilitated. So, but when I say facilitates, he just like he chips it to the areas that he knows 
Hall and Pashnak are going to be at. He just he he does his job well. Is that a you know four round playoff solution? I don't think so. But, but in in the process, he's also lifted his numbers. He yeah, has yeah, two yeah. goals and three assists well, in the last five games. Like he, yeah. Well, and and Hall, Taylor Hall even referenced this that you know and and we've talked about it before. Like Hall has played with skilled players in the past, and there's that that his career year in Vegas. Yeah. When he was on the second line when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Perron and um, Pacioretty, I think. Yeah. And, like, yeah, he played with skilled players and put up points and didn't bring those guys down. Um, and that's kind of what this is. It's like, you know, you he obviously doesn't have to drive that line. He is the third guy on that line in terms of whether, <clears throat> whether it's possession, creating chances. Like, he's third. And, and he knows that. And he can accept that. And, he, like you said, kind of just roll with it. Um, you know, the main thing is there's two things, you know, one, just don't drag them down. Don't slow them down. When it's your turn, when it's your turn to get the puck, when you're the open guy, like just don't, don't be a black hole. Like don't get it. And then, you know, you hang on too long, turn it over or, you know, you can't make the, the right pass for, for the next play. Uh, and then the second thing that Cassie's talked about is like, you need to be a 200 foot center because as we know, Hall and Pasanak are more offensive guys who kind of want to just get going out of the offensive zone and take off. And Hall needs to be the responsible one who's making sure everything's kind of buttoned up in the D, in the D zone, uh, you know, in case one of those guys flies a little too too early. Um, I thought something that Hall said after Monday night's game was interesting because he, well, one, he said he loves playing with pasta, which no surprise. Pa- so, pasta. He goes so, yeah. pasta. Is yeah. that just a Canadian accent thing? So, yeah. <laughs> um, but he also so one thing about Taylor Hall is like he's very self aware and he he can talk about like his own deficiencies without like being woe is me, just being like matter of fact about it. And he said he's he he knows he's not the best cycle player. Yeah, and he, he talked about how uh with Halla they can get, you know, some good like just quick plays, you know, not necessarily just holding on to the puck, holding on to the puck. Um, it's more get the puck, look for something, you know, get a next shot off. And he didn't mention Coyle at all while giving that answer, but I couldn't help but think about the fact that Coyle very much is a possession cycle player, kind of slows things down in the offensive zone, which, if you're in the right situation, is not a bad thing. You know, slowing things down, possessing the puck, like that's not necessarily a bad thing. You just have to have players who can compliment you uh, when you're doing that. And I just don't think that was Hall's game. Like, I don't think Hall ever really got comfortable with kind of the the style and the pace that Coyle plays at. Well, the style for sure. I mean, the pace that Coyle plays isn't too dissimilar to Krejci, but the difference is is that um, Krejci is so creative and he's able to put the puck in areas where Hall is going to get it. So Mm -hmm. that's stylistically where he, you know, doesn't clash with Coyle, but... Um, as far as the pacing goes, I feel like it's also helped Pashnak because it's well known that he, when he's on his game, is one of the premier scorers in the world. And if it's no secret to us, it's no secret to their opponents. And so they've been in the National Hockey League the last couple of years really focusing on, on where he is in, in the offensive zone without the puck, and it's been tough. And when you're playing so often with Bergeron and Marchand, you know, as as good as they are, there's the, every game you play with somebody, there's more tape on that line. So like they've just been able to because Bergeron 
for as good as he is, everything he does, he does it so well. He's not the fastest player in the world. He never he never was, even back in 0304, when the league wasn't as fast. Um, but with Hall and Hall, Pashnak is the... I, don't, I say this in jest, but he's the slowest of the three. You know, he's incredibly fast, but he's the slowest of the three. So while Martian and Bergeron play more of a down-low cycle possession game where Pasta tries to get lost up in the top of the circles and get open for one-timers, but when you have wingers and defensemen looking for him, it's tough to get that shot. Um, Hall and Halla with Pasternak, they open up a totally new dimension to his game for, for people to try to defend, which is on the rush. And they, they come out with so much speed that it's, it's just it's, it's given new life and new looks to Pasternak and to Hall. And um, Hall and Halla both deserve credit for that uh, as well because they've just meshed well. And so Pasternak, even when he was playing with Krejci, as well as they have chemistry together and uh, they like playing with each other apparently, I never really saw dynamic chemistry between the two of them. But Krejci, like Bergeron, not the, not the fastest guy in the world. So this is kind of the first time that we're seeing Pasternak play on a line with straight speed. And, and I just think that has something to do with... Um, why they, why he and Hall have broken out of their slumps for a little bit. Well, yeah, think think back to last game against the Capitals. There was a goal where Hall went on a breakaway. By the way, I'll give credit to Vakanainen. and he created a, a turnover yes. in the D zone, got it to Hall. Hall and Pasta are going high speed at the net, and, and they're able to get behind and turn it into a two-on-one. So those guys are going at the same pace as each other. Hall does a little head fake, slides it over to Pasternak, scores a really nice goal. That happens because you're playing with two guys that can keep up with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they're. I think you see confidence growing, and you see them in a situation like that, making better decisions on those rushes. Whereas, how many times, whether you know it was not as much Pasternak and Hall because they weren't playing together, but Pasternak and Marshand or Hall and whoever, and it's like pass when they should shoot, you know, shoot when there was a pass there, hold on to the puck too long, like. Just no one really seemed to be on the same page or like confident in what they were doing in those situations, and now you you like you just see that growing with Hall and Pasternak in particular, where it's like the more the more chances like this they get, you get the sense of like all right, they're starting to figure out like this is what he's going to do, this is where he's going to go, you know, this is what the play is going to be in this situation, and that's just going to keep growing on a game to game basis. Well, and you know what's funny is that as well as the and this is what they were coined by others, the perfection line, as well as they played as dominant as they were for so long, and, you know, still could be, you know, if if put back together. um, There's a reason why you don't have the three most creative players on the same line. You don't see McDavid, Dreisaitl, and, you know, Nugent Hopkins together, despite them all being able to play center. But you you have Hyman with, 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 with McDavid. You have... When... Like, to what Scott was saying, like, they weren't on the same page a lot of the times, Martian and Pashnak, because they're both capable of doing so much skill-wise and mentally. There's countless options, and sometimes it's just easier to what? Simplify the game. So when you play with line mates that aren't on your level mentally uh, as far as creativity goes and and, and skill set, it, it, it kind of simplifies the game and allows you to ironically use your skills or optimize your skill set. There's a like and and the same goes for the first line, right? When Craig Smith is on that line with Marsh and the Bergeron, by the way, who could have predicted they'd be successful? He only plays 
harder than anybody else on the team, Craig Smith. Like that was <laughs> like so obvious that they would it would still play well. But on that line, Craig Smith knows I'm not the playmaker. He knows what he's doing. His role is to get in on the four check and retrieve pucks and be hard on the puck and let Bergeron and Marshan do their thing. Same thing with the second line. Halla knows, look, I'm not the magician out here. I know what I'm gonna do, but even more so, Pashnak and Hall know what I'm gonna do. When you're playing with someone who's on your level creativity wise, like you could, there's so many options. You, you just you you end up beating yourselves mentally. And can we talk about how all of this has been happening? The last two games were not close games, and they were against good teams. These are playoff teams. They're play. They they beat Tampa Bay five to two, I and mean, they had a huge win over the Capitals seven to three. So they've been able to be successful and play like the way we're we're talking against the top teams that they're potentially going to see in the playoffs. And this is all how how are they being successful, Scott? Without Jake DeBrusque, by the way. <laughs> this is this, this is without DeBrusque on the ice. I mean, I know that they, that's they, the craziest part. They keep losing bottom six forwards, <laughs> and it just like doesn't seem to matter. Like, yeah, Oscar Steen has, Crazy. you know, I think probably won a regular spot. Like, he's not going yeah. down to Providence anytime soon. He had a and, he had a learning curve uh, first two periods yesterday against yeah. Washington, but that's fine. That that happens. Yeah. That's what you want. Um, Anton Bleed has been good since he's come back into the lineup, and you know now now you have more injuries. And you know Nick Foligno missed the last game, and it sounds like he's probably going to miss at least a few more. They're still waiting as of Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night. They're still waiting on results of his MRI. But Frederick um, Frederick left last game and as well. Frederick left with an upper body injury, which is I think Ovechkin gonna, hit him. We're going to assume as a concussion. Yeah, yeah it wasn't Ovechkin, and it wasn't it wasn't. It didn't look like a shoulder injury, so you have to just kind of nah, guess yeah. it was he's a, head. Ovechkin's a big guy to, uh, to take a hit from. Yeah. And, uh, you know. And then missing, uh, missing Nosek. Frederick has already had concussion issues yeah. just earlier this season. So, you know, hope things are okay there and that's not something long term. Um, and meanwhile, the guy decides be... to go out and get punched in the face every other game. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean,. That's a, that honestly is going to be like very interesting to see going forward because Frederick has, I think when he came back from his last concussion, he said that he's had he's had a couple others over the years and he's not super worried about it. he's been able to come back from them fine, but at some point like it is something that you're gonna have to start worrying about and you wonder like is he gonna have to take fighting out of his game or at least do it far less frequently like now neither of his concussions have come in a fight they've come on open ice hits. No, but when you but, get those like light hits, cause it wasn't a huge Ovechkin hit. Um, you get kind of those not exactly contact to the head hits or just a, like a, a body check that rattles you. That's when you start getting concerned that you're getting more easily, um, set up for a concussion. Yeah. So that's, you know, something just to keep in mind down the road, I guess when Frederick comes back is, you know, does he have to change his game in some way or, or, you know, does it, affect him or whatever but um yeah i mean as far as their bottom six looks they you know kuhlman goes in monday night they're still waiting for debrusk to come back he could be back once he's already he's been in protocol long enough but he actually did have some symptoms and it sounds like they've been waiting for him to get cleared from that mm-hmm. so um we'll see if that happens you know wednesday or thursday one of these home games or you know, maybe they need to dip down to Providence and call up someone else. You know, who knows? But it doesn't really seem to matter. Like, Coyle, as number three center, we know that's his more natural fit. I think he's been good there. Whoever you've had on the fourth line has has done their job. I think Lazar has been playing well. 
and, and we mentioned, you know, Steen and Bleed, who have both um, gone in and, and played well and played hard and, and been able to create some offense and, and put up, you know, a few points. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bleed has the three points in three games since he came back. So, and Steen has probably created a spot for himself on the roster that goal that he had like your first career goal that when you, you put it in he tried it again last game yeah i don't know if you saw that he tried to he tried to throw it in off off the back uh the goalie again because the first one he had uh was successful in hitting it off the back of the head and going yeah. in uh, that, was a, that was a skill play it looked a little lucky watching it but it, he did exactly what he was trying to do was a clever play a smart play um yeah i think I think Anton Bleed was feeling himself a little bit after the uh, goal on Vasilevsky because the next game in Washington, he comes on the right-wing boards putting the puck between his legs. So, <laughs> <laughs> not bad for a third-line AHLer. But, uh, no, he's looked good. Um, I actually thought Frederick looked pretty good. I thought Frederick's skating and, and um, you know, uh, a neutral zone, uh, getting into the offensive zone over the blue line was was was, was good in Detroit. Um you know, he was holding on to the puck in a good way. Um, honestly, the, the stuff I didn't like about his game was, you know, in, against Minnesota, he was just like, he tried to clown it up at times, and he just, he just he's not very good at being a, a rat. Like, the reason that Marshan and, like, other guys are, they're called rats is because you get away with it. Like, that's the part yeah, that... Yeah, and you draw something, and you're not yeah. the one who's, you know, going to the box. Yeah, it's like, he, he, he you're supposed to not get caught and Which do it when the Frederick rest aren't was, looking. He, Frederick was doing really well early last season. Like, yeah, but if then you people remember, found out who he was. He went, he went, like, 15 games or something, like, without taking a penalty, and he was getting up in everyone's face. And you're right, like, I think, you know, the rest of the league adjusted to him and was like, all right, we're not going to fall for your yeah. crap anymore, kid. Yeah. Like, <laughs> good luck. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, everybody's playing well. I think, you know, obviously up front, you know, you're still incomplete. We all know that. But, um, you know, the other thing, too, is aside from the obvious, which would be a natural, you know, second-line center, um, I just – and, and, and uh, again, in a perfect world, I don't know how they're going to pull it off, but top four defensemen. Um, I just – I still feel like this team, they, they just needed to be a little bit – um, a little bit bigger, a little bit tougher, and that could just be one 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 simple addition on the back end, um, or up front. I just th- there's there's not a ton of size, and I don't mean like they're not uh, competitive, like they're not hard to play against. I just mean like they're just not very big. So in a seven game playoff series, I just want them to be a little bit a little bit beefier. I think in their lineup, it could it could it could be somebody on the third line, or it could be another defenseman. Um, I don't know. But that's something I, w- I would like to see as well, um, because like Grizzly had five points last night against Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, he played really well. Obviously, he had one bad turnover, which could have been really bad if the Bruins don't come back in that game. But it happens. Um, Vakanainen played really well. Mark David told us last week that he uh, not to count him out. He was playing really well down in Providence. Um, Connor Clifton. Um, I'm bringing up these names because. They're not the biggest of guys, and they're on your back end. Um, McAvoy's not even the biggest guy; he's like six one. So, like in that league, it's decent. You got Forbert, you got you got you got Carlo, but neither one is really physical. So, I just don't want this team to to lose because they're getting they're getting beat up too bad in the playoffs physically. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, you know, we've had this discussion before, and like, I don't think. I don't think you need to be like super big or, or super physical. Like, I think there are other ways to win. But 
Yeah, I would say, like, especially if, say, injury concerns continue to plague plague guys like Felino and Frederick, um, you know, who've both been in and out of the lineup quite a bit this year, and in theory are the ones who would bring that to you, um, then, yeah, the, then that's certainly something you would need to address. Um, on the back end, you know, I think if, if you can get, like, a clear top four upgrade, yes, obviously that's still you know, something worth addressing. And, you know, we know Jacob Chickren's name is out there. uh, If you want to give up like your entire farm system. Um, (laughs) But I I don't like what I wouldn't do is like add, I'm not interested in like a third parent guy. Honestly, even up front, I'm not super interested in like another depth forward. Like to me, you should be looking for meaningful upgrades, like guys who are going to middle six forward, top four defensemen, because I actually think this team's depth is pretty good. Um, like, I think they, they've been well, able yeah, to plug they, guys in who have played pretty well. They, um, they just showed that so many guys in and out of the lineup once they, you know, caught COVID from Calgary, they've had to shuffle people in and around and to different positions, and yeah. they have showed their depth. Well, As of right now, we're saying that. Yeah. Through six games, their depth was, you know, yeah. adequate. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's great that they have the depth, but you know, if you don't have all the top end talent, then the depth won't get you so far. I mean, you need depth, but you yeah. need both. No, you're right. And so, you know, I, like I think, you know, I, Jacob Chickering, I don't. That's a that's a Mark last week had me, uh, you know, call that one. Um, yeah, it's, that's it's, not happening. That's it's, not happening. It's, it's such a long shot, just because I don't think anyone's going to offer that kind of crazy package to get him and, and, Mark, and Arizona it doesn't need to trade him right now like they're not right. there's no it's not time sensitive like they, they have literally years to trade him if they want to Mark basically straight up told us the Bruins don't have enough to offer right I mean that's, so yeah the, the, the Coyotes aren't making a deal for him if the, if the teams are better off for it in the long run then the Bruins don't have anything better to offer than anybody else but with that said so like if that's why from, from Arizona you know Lawson Krause, like I said earlier, he 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 makes you bigger. He has skill. He makes you tougher to play against. Okay, he could be a he could be a box to check. Then I said to you guys the other day, and you know, Scott, I don't want to say disagreed, but maybe disagreed. I don't really know. But the the Ben Sherrod option, like left shot defenseman, played with Shea Weber to all the way to the finals last year. He's an unrestricted free agent after this year. Montreal's tanking, so can you get him for not that much? And he's got size, and he's Thirty years old, like I, I, I thought he was decent. Like to put him in the top four here, why not? I mean, yeah. So as I said by uh, text, and I will say now, I'm not the world's biggest Ben Sherratt fan. That's the kind of player I'm not looking to add because I'm not convinced he's an upgrade over what you have now. Like, are are you sure Ben Sherratt is better than Derek Forbort? I mean. You couldn't I, answer yes right away. It's, so. it, truthfully, it's because I haven't watched Ben Sherratt on a game-to-game basis. So if mm-hmm. I were to say yes or no, it wouldn't be a truthful answer. So I just I can't really answer that. But like, I just feel like I, I feel like yes. I feel like yes. I mean, I watched him last year in the playoffs. I don't think Derek Forbert is is a a, a top pair defenseman on a Cup Finals team. He Sherratt was. Yeah, he, on a team that got hot, yes. So what? Um, so what? I mean, they they had they beat Vegas. They, you know, they had to play Tampa. Granted, they didn't do well against Tampa. But it wasn't because of him. 
who else did they beat on that run? Uh, Winnipeg. Like those are some those are some teams with some really good forwards that he was a top pair defenseman on. I mean, he can't Montreal couldn't score last year. He's a defenseman. Yeah, and I like his I, size. I guess I I'm just to me I see similarities between him and Forbort, and I'm not convinced that he's an upgrade at all, much less a significant one. So that's just. Um, like I said, that's not the kind of player that I'd be targeting. If and but I think someone's going to overpay for Sherratt. Like I hear him being talked about as like one of the top defensemen on the market, one of the top pieces on the market overall. And I'm like, I would just stay away from that. Like if he were, you know, if if the price was down and you could get him cheap, um, closer to the deadline, he was kind of just, you know one of the last guys out there. Sure, I'd take him as a cheap depth option, but. I think he's going to go for more than that, and if I'm the Bruins, I'm not. That that's not where I'm looking to to spend any real assets. What, I, I mean, I, look, I, um, I, I haven't watched him a ton. I haven't watched him a ton. I, I I'm fairly certain he's a better skater than Derek Forbert is. I mean, and I know he's more physical than Forbert. Like Forbert, you know, his hit totals might say something, but they're not punishing hits. He's dishing out. Like I I've seen Ben Sherratt like in a playoff series, like, in the front of his net, like, cross-checking guys, like, you know, in the corner, winning battles. So, I don't know. Like, I'm just saying. And it's – I'm more mainly saying this because Chickering's not happening. That's a pipe dream. So, I'm trying to think – That you were set- having last week. Huh? You were having Yeah, that. well, it's not, sometimes it's the articles you see out there. It's like people seem so sure of these things to get your hopes up, but then you actually Yeah, it's a it fun it's idea, like, but it, when you break down – Well, you, you'll see an article that says, like, you know, here's why, you know, Jacob Ch- Chickering could – you know, go to the Bruins, and then like you look at the article, and it's like, as long as they won't, won't give up four first round draft picks, it's like, okay, well then, thanks for, thanks for clicking. Um, I, I look, and you know, we gotta get close to the deadline and see where teams are. I'm I'm bringing up Shot right now because I saw him his name in a in an article, and I know Montreal's gonna be tanking because they're last in the NHL, so like they're willing to part ways with them. He's a, he's a pending UFA, so I don't know how much you can really get from if you're Montreal. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I just think, uh, like, yeah, I, I, I think it, else is out there in yeah. the deadline, but I'm not saying he's like my, 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 my dream, uh, trade deadline acquisition. I'm just saying, like, you know, he's an option. I, yes, I do think he's better than Forbert. Like, I, I do. Yeah. I think it depends on what the rest of the market is. Like, if Sherrod is one of, you know, a bunch of defensemen like that who are available, you know, one, one, you'll have more options and two, his price will come down. Right. But I, I think what, like, the way I just hear people talking about, like, him as one of the top guys on the market, I keep thinking back to David Savard. Uh, what was that? Last year or two years ago when Tampa got him? Yeah. And it ended up costing a first and a third. And, like, David Savard on a good team is a third-pairing guy, which is what he was yeah. on yeah, Tampa. Yeah, that was last oh, year. Yeah. And and I know Tampa won the Cup, so, you know, you can't really rip any move that we end up winning the Cup that season. But they did not win the Cup because of David Savard. And I bet, like, if you got them in an honest moment... They'd say, yeah, we kind of wish we still had that first round pick because we probably had guys we could have just plugged in and yeah. been roughly the same as David Savard. Um, I feel like like if that's what the Sherrod market is, where like he's getting treated like this year's David Savard, I'm just staying away. I no, don't no, see no. that happening. No, no, no. I mean, Scott, like a hundred percent. If that's the case, like I'm not even having a conversation with you about it. Like, no. there's no way I'm spending that on Ben Sherrod. I, I only brought him up because he's a pending UFA on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a team that's last in the league. So, like, I find it impossible that they could ask for that. But if they do, then yes, they should not even I would have thought it was it. impossible for the Blue Jacks to get that for Savard, though. So Sure. 
Yeah, yeah but when you're Tampa and you have all this cap space left because Kucherov hasn't <laughs> right. played in months. Yeah. <laughs> or you can get two other teams to pick up some of the salary, which yeah. I think is what happened. I, think, yeah. I think Columbus kept some, and then he, he flipped to Detroit, and they kept yeah. some. And yeah. yeah. No, no just, just for the record, I'm saying 30-year-old Ben Chirot, so not worth the first-round pick. Ryan is saying trade, <laughs> trade Fabian Lysel for Ben Chirot. No. No, but I will I, uh, see this. This is something for maybe for a different day because we're going long and we have plenty of time to talk about the deadline. But um, yeah, I, I will say another player on defense who's played well, I think, has been Mike Riley. I thought he's played well. I, I agree. You know, yeah. he's, he, uh, he, he's playing a lot more like the guy that they got uh, last year, getting a shot through, confident with the puck, quick decision making. Um, so skates like he has a piano on his back. <laughs> so I don't get that. It's hunched over, but uh, he's definitely. Uh, <laughs> He's definitely playing much better than he was earlier in the year. So, you know, no Clifton, no Forbert in the lineup in Washington, and, and that decor moved the puck pretty well. I thought I thought McAvoy's, you know, been okay of late, but um, he was also been out for a few games, so he'll, he'll get back up to speed. I, one note on McAvoy, um, because I've been wrong about this, actually, for the most part this year. Um, sorry to say. Um, he has not he has not been great on the power play, on the top unit, uh, quarterback in that top unit. He was really good last year when they gave him that first look. I had only reason to expect him to get better. Uh, he's forcing it. He's not great in zone entries. Um, don't know what they do there because I think he has to be well, the guy eventually. But like mo- Monday night, that went over the Capitals when they end up scoring the two power play goals late in the first. It was Grizzly got there with the top unit, and that was that wasn't like an in-game switch so much as I think McAvoy just had a long. It was a very very long power play if you well, recall <laughs> that i think mcvoy just had a long shift before um that five on three so you know grizzly side there for the five on three they score and then they just decide to keep him out there and they score again on the five on four um but i wouldn't i would expect them to continue with mcvoy but i wouldn't be surprised if you know if the power play goes back to struggling like it was when they went six games without scoring on the power play yeah um if you do see grizzly get a get a look there at some point and I mean, he's he was... kind of hit a hot streak right now he's got seven that, points yeah. yeah uh somebody asked him i think it was i think it was uh kevin vol dupont last night I asked him like obviously not going to score five points a night but like do you think he could be like a point or two game it's like dude that's so... <laughs> yeah <laughs> he said maybe one or two but he was serious it's like dude you think you think Matt Grizzly can be an eighty-two to one hundred fifty point guy? <laughs> also, just not a good what? question. Like, what what do you expect the answer to be? Like, but even like what <laughs> a point of game guy? Grizz, like, there's only like ten forwards in the league that do that. Like, what are you yeah. talking? No, about? but he had seven points in the last six games. That's why oh we're getting God. our hopes that up was, about uh, that. That was one of those where like you have an idea where the question is going, and you start asking it, and oh, about and halfway it... through, you realize you don't really know how you want to finish it. <sighs> And it drives off a cliff I, on you real quick. Yeah, so some, something kind of just comes out that doesn't one, make a lot one of thing, sense. One thing, I, one thing I respect about Scott more so than... than sounds me. like Scott's been there before, by the way. Scott, it sounds like he's speaking from look, a place of I've experience. been caught in that situation, yeah. Scott, Scott look, he, uh, he knows what he wants to ask, and there's no fluff, okay? Like, so many guys, like, they, they get their name called, especially on these especially on these Zoom calls because it's just awkward not being there face-to-face. They feel the need to have a conversation before they ask their question or, like, if they know it's going to be a question the player's not going to like, they, they fluff it up with, like, yeah, I know you like this restaurant back in Charlestown, but speaking of which, um, how about that dash two you took in the first period? It's like <laughs> so many guys just, like, they just talk to the players and you, just, you see them on Zoom, like, they just had a game, they're, like, they're sweating, they don't want to be there, and, like, the last thing they want to hear is, like, 
answering if like they like Kowloon's <laughs> because they're from the area. It's like just enough, please. Um. Anywho. And you drove yourself <laughs> off right there. I don't know where I was going with that. I just drove, just drove off. Well, it's just <laughs> it started like, look, going it's one like, direction. Look, 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 media. No, no, no disrespect, but these players, no matter how much you you try to fluff them up. They're not your friends. They don't actually like How you. How dare being, you? They're no, being I'm just polite. Kidding. Like, you know, they might give you a chuckle here and there, but come on. They know you're, they, they, they know you're trashing them on your blog afterwards. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? Um, anything else? So I have one, like, little thing that I thought of yesterday because my, my color commentator at Yale texted me, like, after seeing Marshawn's nose. <laughs> so Marshawn's, Marshawn took a really ugly uh hit stick to the nose and it, i feel like i could see like his cartilage and like yeah. it was just gory as, as i tweeted he has a third notch he does he he definitely i don't know if that helps your breathing or hurts your breathing i'm not really sure but <laughs> so my friend texted me that the bruins have had some of the all-time best or worst nose injuries that they could think of you get lucic you got Bergeron and Marshawn, who seem to just take it in the nose all the time. Are there any other people you can think of that have had worse or like equal nose injuries? Uh, in general, it, on the Bruins? In, no, no, no. In the NHL, any time period, any time period. The nose is a weird one. Um, that's a but weird the Bruins, one. Have, yeah, but the Bruins have had so many. Well, Bergeron broke his nose, I think. Um, back in 2013, initially in 2013, when he when Malkin kind of jumped him, Evgeny Malkin kind of jumped him after the, one of the uh, periods in Pittsburgh during the playoffs, and I think Bergeron's like like nose hit the ice and kind of fucked up his nose then. He's gotten a lot since then yeah. too. Yeah, and uh, what was the recent one? Forsberg actually Nashville comes to town I think next week, so that should be a good retribution game. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head though, uh, Bridget. Though, what about you, Scott? No, yeah. Trying to think. Um, I mean, the Martian one last night was weird because, like, it the you watch uh, was it Dowd the way he, he, he stick lifted Martian or attempted to it was so vicious and hard that like like you, the he, the puck wasn't even there. It was like so was weird. Like why he was even going in like with that like aggressive like stick lift motion. It was. But, but what I don't get, Scott, is how did his how did the shaft of his stick even hit the bridge of Martian's nose, he came directly up. So you would have thought, like, if anything, it would have caught him on the chin or underneath the nose. But, like, somehow the stick caught him up here when it was this motion. Yeah. But it was know. gruesome as hell. Or did it... Or maybe on the way down. Maybe on the way down. Or did it, for... did it force the visor into it, maybe? Maybe. Yeah. yeah, that's probably what it was, yeah. But, um... Looked good scoring a goal and an assist. Two goals and an assist afterwards, yeah. though. I felt bad his eyes were watering. All that stuff. And at one point in time, it started bleeding again. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> he, needed, he needed a few repairs throughout the game. Um, yeah. I thought it, Andy Brigley actually brought up like a good point in the broadcast, which was like at one point he had, clearly had blood on his jersey from it, and that's supposed to make you leave and go change your jersey. And yeah, he he was covered. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't give him a fishbowl to finish the game. I wonder if he'll have one. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see that that they were off Tuesday. We'll see, you know, Wednesday if he ends up playing with one like that because. Bergeron had one and actually ended up kind of skipping over the whole yeah. two week period he was supposed to be wearing it because it was like right before the COVID pause. Right. But Bergeron was supposed to be wearing it for like at least two weeks after he, he yeah. uh, got surgery on his nose. And fortunately, it ended up being the two weeks that the Bruins were off and Bergeron 
came back all pretty and didn't have yep. to be wearing a mask. I mean, it turned it turned Corrali into like a point of game player when he wore it a few years ago. But uh, <laughs> Chris Kelly famously with the cage Chris was Kelly, like a completely yes. different animal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I found the one that I was thinking of. Uh, do any of you remember Jason Chimera? Yeah, I hated uh, Chimera. He played for the Capitals, right? Wait, his nose was like on sideways. Wait, that's not Jason. That's not Jason. That, that's 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 uh, Laperriere. That's Ian Ian Laperriere. Is, who? That is it's, that is ugly. It says it says. It says J- Jason Chimera. Yeah, but that's not that that's that's Ian Laperriere though. He played for the Flyers, but that's just the wrong caption. It's Reddit. People on Reddit. Oh, good job, Reddit. <laughs> yeah, but yes, that is that is that is that. Is, oh my god! I, oh my god! Get, get me out of. <laughs> oh my god! That is disgusting. That was that For, was. Fortunately, listeners don't have to. That wasn't even a picture. <laughs> that wasn't even a picture. That was just Mike Ribeiro's face, normal. <laughs> that got me going crazy. I couldn't stand Mike Ribeiro. He and was then, so annoying to play against. And then I, I'm sure back in the day where they didn't have to wear any sort of helmet or whatnot, yeah. that the noses were really effed up back then. But oh, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, but back then those players were. In the offseason, literally going to to war for their country. That's true. So, like the, they were different animals back then. Well, especially goalies who didn't have to wear masks. Like, oh my I think God. people have probably seen like the the Life magazine cover of Jacques Plante. It was like you know all of the injuries he had suffered over his career like transposed onto his face for the cover of the magazine. It's like just every single inch had something. Uh, anyway, enough talking about nose jobs. Um, <laughs> that's probably it, right? We kind of. Hit everything under the sun. Tuka's back. We're all happy he's back. It was just more of a question of, um, you know, handling the yeah entire could it, three could, goaltenders. Could it, was him coming back? Was that predictable? I think it was. And you know, did the Bruins, you know, handle it the right way in the offseason with with the goaltending situation and going forward? If it will affect completing the rest of their roster this year, um, with this ever so slowly closing window, Scott. But time will tell. By the way, we didn't we didn't mention that. Uh... As part of his deal, Tug uh, is also getting Bud Light, he, uh, which is worthless. Uh, that was, signed, yeah, that was happening signed regardless. a deal with Bud Light. Uh, they agreed via Twitter. Nice uh, official. <laughs> yeah, no, no thanks, no thanks on that. You can keep your Bud Light. So uh, Tug is a simple man. He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't need that fancy IPA craft beer stuff. Mm, he's not like us, Scott. He's not. Nope. So I'm all about the IPAs. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now it's Tuesday. Bruins have Montreal, I believe, tomorrow night in Boston. It was supposed to be Montreal, now it's in Boston. Um, Thursday they got the Flyers, who are currently um, having some COVID issues. So we'll see if that happens. And uh, how fitting would it, it be for Tuca to have his AHL stint <laughs> canceled by COVID? Yeah. Then, like you know, Wednesday pregame. Cassidy announces that the plan is for Rass to start Thursday, and then, like, six hours later, that game gets postponed. <laughs> Might be a bad sign. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, as of right now, it's a seven-game homestand for, for the, the Bruins. Bruins. Yeah. yeah, it wow. is. Okay. Over yeah, the next two weeks. At least one, well, at least the Montreal game. That was initially supposed to be a road game. Yeah. They flipped it because no one can go to games in Canada, or at least in Quebec and Ontario. <sighs> Absurd. Um Anyway, so they got Wednesday, Thursday, a couple games of the weekend, and then we'll we'll resume here early next week, and we'll be back for episode seventy-seven. So we're good. We're good. All right, good. thanks for listening.